0: Hello everybody and welcome to a new winter cults and culture and today I'm going to be doing a countdown list of the top bosses of the entire Dark Souls series. Now it's a big one. I've got 82 down and the reason why I've got 82 is because there's actually four that I've left out. Now before I begin, um, be aware that there obviously might be some spoilers for some of Dark Souls I will try and keep it as spoiler free as possible, but just discussing who the bosses are and I will try not to go into the lore too much, but just talking about them might be a bit too spoilerific for some people. So I just want to flag that right now. If you haven't played Dark Souls or anything like that before, then you might want to. (laughs) But it is, I deemed it the game of the last decade. It's probably one of the best games I've ever played. The first one at least, and the other two are equally as good. And the thing with Dark Souls is that what makes it really memorable are the bosses. Now each game has a various set of bosses and there's quite a few of them. Hence across these, uh, the multitude of bosses I've took in all the ones from the DLC because they're just as important and everything else that I could think of. But there are four that I haven't included. And the reason why is because I didn't fight them. So they were optional, and I never got around to actually finding them or fighting them. Now, out of eighty-two, <laughs> I thought it was enough. But for the sake of being completely transparent, here are the four that I didn't uh, didn't beat. Basically, so I haven't put them on the list just for the sake of being fair. One of them is Calamite from Dark Souls One. Another one is Ancient Dragon from Dark Souls Two. Now he's the um, one who's just kind of sitting there chill as fuck, and you can fight him if you want. I didn't because I thought he was a good guy. Kalami uh, again is funny enough is a dragon as well, and you um, have to like unlock this tower, and this guy's like throws a spear. Now I didn't do any of that. It's in the Atorius of the Abyss um, DLC, I believe. And even though I opened the door, for some reason I didn't go up to the per, the giant guy. Um, so I missed all of that. I could go back and do them, but I feel like I've closed that chapter now on my life. Um, also, from Dark Souls One is Dark Sun Gwyndolin. People might be absolutely confounded <laughs> that I have dared even, you know, put a list together and not put Gwendolyn on it. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't fight him. So I would say, just remember, you know, with these with these things, place the boss where you think is fair. Um, the other one I didn't do was Dark Lurker, which is in Dark Souls 2. I'm just going to take another look because um, I just want to check that I definitely didn't didn't complete him. And yeah, so um, the Dark Lurker from Dark Souls 2, I believe you only get from joining a Covenant, and I just never did it. So and I, again, I'm done with Dark Souls 2. So for the sake of clarity, the four that are not included on this list are Kalameet from Dark Souls One, Ancient Dragon from Dark Souls Two, Dark Sun Gwyndolin from Dark Souls One, and Dark Clerk from Dark Souls Two. Everyone else is on this list. So, who is the worst? Let's start from the bottom. Who is the worst boss of the Dark Souls series? And coming in at number eighty-two is the Royal Rat Vanguard. The Royal Rat Vanguard is basically a rat. A bigger than usual rat, a Dark soul sized rat. So, like, a big dog as such. And I believe he's got, like, a Mohican. And he runs around with all the other rats. Now, the problem is, is that it's a crap boss fight because all you're doing is you're going around killing rats, which you've killed anyway. He's a little bit tougher. They can easily swarm you and you can easily die. Um, But it's just a rat. It's just a rat with more health. Um, And then after you meet him, you can sign up to the Rat Covenant or whatever and all this stuff. It's just a really bad boss fight. It's in a sewer. didn't really care much for it. And yeah, it's just a a bunch of rats. Like, come on. So number 82, Royal Rat Vanguard, which brings us on to number 81. Number 81, the Covetous Demon. So the Covetous Demon of Dark Souls 2 is pretty bad. And the reason why is that it's basically Jabba the Hutt at the bottom of a staircase in this random room that you seem to kind of stumble upon, and I did him first time and a classic Dark Souls boss uh, technique of just going behind and just slapping him about a bit. And he's got his little tail and all this stuff. And he does, um, he can eat you. I didn't even get to that point yet. Um, and he, yeah, uh, he's just moved. He's just very slow. I didn't find him particularly strong or difficult. And, you know, there was just nothing leading up to him, coming out of him. It just, he was just thrown in as... Like an afterthought almost. And the fact is just at this bottom of this staircase. I was just like, it's completely uninspired and quite frankly, just just dreadful. I didn't like it at all. So sorry, covetous demon, you're out. Which brings us to number 80. Number 80 is the prowling magus, magus, um, Dark Souls 2 again. And same kind of thing. The problem is, is that um you basically again kind of stumble across this room and there's a whole bunch of um, very weak enemies that are kind of praying or whatever. A, a boss thing suddenly, um, life bar suddenly comes up. You're like, oh, I'm in a boss battle. And then the only person you can see is this like priest caster guy who's pretty much similar to every single caster that you've come across anyway. And, yeah, you just basically beat him up. And, again, did it first time, and I was a melee strength build, so I was able to knock him out quite quickly. And you moved on with your day. Completely forgettable. I think I did it in probably about 15 seconds or something very, very quickly. And yeah, there was just nothing there's nothing to it. I didn't understand what was kind of why it was even there, why it was needed. So again, this kind of like little tiny wet fart um of a boss, just in the middle of in the middle of nothing, basically. It's just such a letdown. So the next one, number seventy-nine, is the stray demon from Dark Souls. The reason why this is quite low down the list is because I completely just I hated it in the sense of I felt like I'd already done this. I do, it's the same, pretty much the same fight as the um, asylum demon. I mean, it's in the same place. You only get to it by going back there after you've left, um, being carried by a bird, and you basically fall through the floor, and then you're in the same kind of boss fight, but he's a bit tougher. Um, it's just not inspired. It's literally a kind of copy paste of the same thing. And, you know, the, Dark Souls 3 did that with the champion Gunda, whatever, and all this. But that was like a m- m- very different fight. But this one just felt exactly the same. And I was just a bit bored of it by this point. I also think I went back quite near the end game. Um, so there wasn't really, you know, I was able to take it down quite quickly. But I just felt like, oh, it's just like pressing copy paste. Great. Yeah. So uh, next one is number 78, which is the Royal Rat Authority. Now the Royal Rat Authority is basically a dog. It's a mangy old dog that looks like it's been homeless for about a thousand years. But uh, this time it looks a bit ratty, slightly bigger than normal. I'd say it's probably kind of like Sif size. And yeah, it just looks horrible, but not in like a scary way. It just looks, yeah, dirty. Don't really understand if it's a dog why it's a royal rat authority um and it's very like brown and it's in this gray cave but it's you know gives you plenty of room to fight it not particularly difficult and it's just like a standard kind of speed dog kind of fight um but yeah i just hated it It it's just boring nothing um and it wasn't it was probably a bit harder than the ones i've already said but um Yeah, it doesn't really make up for the fact that it just felt a bit poo. Um, So after that is number 77, which is the Centipede Demon uh, from Dark Souls 1. And yeah, um, it's quite useful. I think that when you kill it, you get the ring that can make you walk on fire. I believe it's from killing it or it's in the area maybe. Um, And so that's quite useful. So that's something Um, but again it was you know like I don't really like lava fights generally anyway but it wasn't particularly inspired Um, I thought it's fairly easy to take down and again it just it was a bit better than a kind of afterthought but um, I didn't particularly enjoy the fight really whatsoever and mainly because it's lava Um, so yeah sorry centipede demon but you know some kudos that you know you get something out of it don't you (laughs) Um number 76 is the demon fire sage. Uh part of the reason it got quite low down the list is cuz I completely forgot about it. And when I remembered to look at it, I remember thinking, oh yeah, that was that was okay. You know, nothing particularly exciting or interesting about it. Um and I believe it kind of it's from the original Dark Souls, but it was at a point where um I didn't particularly feel like I'd already done enemies like this quite a lot before I reached this point and it was just a little bit uninspired again um nothing particularly great it's kind of a typical like fatty dark souls look as well Uh very chubby big weapon um yeah just didn't really do do that much for me sorry um but again it was better than kind of the ones previously the actual battle itself wasn't wasn't so bad, but nothing really about the boss, no such lore attached to it. Um, just a big fat monster that's kind of a bit atypical of any game, any fantasy kind of game like this, action adventure. Um so number seventy five is Halflight, Spear of Um the Church, is it? And this is in Dark Souls Three, This it's coming towards the end. Now the one interesting aspect of this is that Um you can be called uh you can it could be PvP, basically. So another player could be called in. So another player essentially becomes the boss. Great, great idea in theory. And what happened is when I first came up against this guy, um, firstly, like there's a big giant who's like, hey, you can't go here. I'm going to summon this kid. And then I think he dies or something. I don't really understand what happens to him. So I quite like giant fights. So when it was like, oh, the fight's not with him, fine. And then you get these little um, people who start throwing uh, like magic stuff or lightning stuff, whatever, at you. Um, alongside the the kind of boss, whoever the boss might be. Now, the guy I had was obviously a very highly trained PvP player because um, the hitboxes weren't right for me anyway, and it was getting so frustrating. And he just kept um, uh, when they like parry you and stab you from the front. I can't remember what that's called, Re- repost or ripost or whatever. And um, yeah, he kept doing that, so I was losing a chunk of health. And then I was doing the kind of thing trying to get behind. I'm just not a very good PvP player, sorry. And yeah, after about an hour, I was just like, I have to turn this off and walk away because he keeps just, I keep fighting him specifically. Um, so I left it for a bit, came back, fought the kind of AI one, the one, you know, you get when no one's called up. And that was a fairly easy. Um, it's quite hard, especially when there's a lot going on. But um, when he starts using his bow and arrow, it's when you can kind of come in and slam him about a bit. Um, but again, I don't really i don't really understand the law or anything behind it. Um, the PvP thing was an interesting idea. M- maybe I just got unlucky, but it really kind of ruined the fight for me, which is a shame because, yeah, um, yeah, you know, people say, oh, you get good, get good. But uh, yeah, I didn't, did I? So interesting idea for me. It didn't pay off as much, and I found the fight quite boring and nothing. So, leads me on to number 74, the Sanctuary Garden from Dark Souls. This is in the uh, DLC, Arterius of the Abyss. And it's kind of like a a white lion with horns and wings. Cool looking, but a very kind of simple, um, large boss fight. Um, And it's the first one you get before you enter the Sanctuary, almost like a test, and it's fine. Um, it's an okay battle but again I did it first time didn't really think much of it and wandered on Um, and that's not to say that just because I find a boss easy that it's bad that's not particularly the case but I like it if I feel like I got something out of it or that it's lore is good or something like that with this one not so much it was okay it was an okay battle Uh, which leads me to number well, the opposite of this, basically what I was just kind of saying, it leads me up to 73, which is Dark Eater Medea. Now, Dark Eater Medea, I'm probably cheating a little bit because I got him down to a slither of health and then he killed me and that was it. So it was the last boss I did in the whole of Dark Souls 3, which meant it was the last boss I did in the whole of Dark Souls. And basically he's just a big dragon. Um, Takes place in a very wide arena and... It's, he, you would have met him earlier in, in that game, in the game. And, um, I think he's in the Ringed City DLC, if I remember rightly. But yeah, he, um, loads of large area of effect attacks, um, lots of fire, uh, swinging his tail around and kind of got aim for the head. Fine. It's just, he, it's such a slog to kill him. Like I was quite strong and okay, I could have gone away and, got stronger but it just felt like um it was just yeah an absolute slog just to get his health down and so i kept trying and again and again and again and then by the end of it when i almost killed him and then he killed me i was like that's enough dark souls thanks so yeah i kind of um if you want to call that giving up and like what well, is giving up essentially but if you want to say like oh that shouldn't he shouldn't be on the list and if you've not actually killed him yeah, you can say that. I don't really care because I've I sunk way too many hours into that. And I'm not going to just keep preparing to do something that I actually don't enjoy. So, and it was a bit different from something like Nameless King, which I spent much more time with, but I enjoyed the fight and I felt like I was learning from it and I could feel myself getting better. This was just like, it's it's like a stamina test of how long you can focus for. And I didn't really particularly find that enjoyable. So, Taki at Medea is at number 73. Now, number 72, also from Dark Souls 3, is the Grave Tender Champion and the Grave Tender Wolf. Now, I didn't realise until near the end this was kind of Sif related So when the wolf kind of turns up halfway through to help his mate out, I was suddenly like, oh, I'm in a grave and there's flowers and all this. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is going to be like a Sif fight. And it wasn't. It was quite bad, actually. Um, the, the champion is just like some dude, some guy. As soon as you get him down to half health, the wolf comes along, he calls the wolf, but it takes some time for the wolf to actually turn up. So I did this in about three tries um, and I just slapped the bloke about but a bit before the wolf turned up. And the wolf I'd already kind of seen before, it's just like a mother wolf, essentially, a bit bigger, stronger and faster than the normal wolves that come along. So I didn't really stand that much of a test. So like the first time it happened, I was, you know, if you kind of let it get on top of you a little bit, and it can be quite devastating, but once you've got the guy out of the way and you're just against the wolf, it's fairly easy um you put it against the backdrop of like a Sif thing, and it doesn't just it just doesn't really live up to it, does it um I love the sift battle, and that will come on long later um but yeah, I just thought hmm, boring um but not without its merit it was still you know I like multiple but there's multiple people involved that's what she said um. So yeah, that's that. So number 71, Scorpioness Nashka. So this is from Dark Souls 2. And basically it's kind of like a quellag fight a little bit. Um, half human, half scorpion, basically, including the name. And um, I and you kind of deal with it in the same way. Uh, the It was just so drab, the environment and everything kind of surrounding it. Um, and it felt a bit like I was fighting a boss from like... PlayStation era, if you know what I mean? Like, didn't feel particularly exciting. There wasn't, I just thought Quellag's one was just better. Um, And this just, was, I was just like, this is just like a lamer, weaker attempt to it. And that's why, like, there might be like worse bosses, but they're much more original and much more fun. This, I just kind of wanted to get over with, because so I was like, all right, yeah, it's just like a copy of a Quellag fight. And if you're doing that, sorry, I just get, I can't give you credit because it's just, you're doing almost like a carbon copy thing, aren't you? Um, but in terms of the actual battle, it's okay. It's all right. Um, I did not find it particularly difficult, or anything like that. Um, and yeah, it was mediocre at best. So Scorpioness Nashka. And at number 70, it's the Baneful Queen Mytha from Dark Souls 2. Now, Um, People, I I did some kind of gameplay of this with her and she's in like a pool of poison and for about 45 minutes I was trying to kill her while she's in this poison only until like only really realising until later on trying to do it that the poison was actually healing her whilst it was killing me so I'm dying doubly as fast and bear in mind it's a boss fight and she's gaining health twice as fast than I can knock it off so I was like kept kind of thinking, what do I have to do? Do I have to, like, like finish this fight in, like, 20 seconds in order to do it? I'm sure there are people that have done it. Um, mm-hmm. What I didn't realise is that, because uh, I had to look up and I was like, there's some way, there's something I'm missing here. Like, this can't be right. So I looked on a guide and it was like, oh, yeah, you've got to, like, stop this bridge that's, like, way back near this other bonfire. I'm like, what? It's, like, touch around a corner. There's some guy standing in front of it. So like, how the fuck am I supposed to, like, figure that out? It's ridiculous. I don't know. And I didn't see any soapstone messages or whatever on the floor telling me to do it. So whatever. So I just went and did it, came back, done, bush, gone. So, um yeah, it was an okay fight. Uh I quite like all the poison stuff and trying to stay away from it from that sense. And the gimmick of having it in poison, you having to do something before you go in. I enjoyed that. Just why make it so difficult to find it or figure it out? I don't know how people are supposed to, cause it's quite key. As well to like progress, so I don't really understand why you'd make it so difficult to like figure that out. Um, but difficult they did, uh, or maybe I'm just thick. Um, yeah, so yeah. Anyway, number sixty nine is King Vendrick in Dark Souls two, and this was the whole thing of this of King Vendrick was a bit weird because it's like I quite liked when you first come across him, thinking that he's going to be the boss. And part of the problem with Dark Souls two, it being way too long, it's not the boss. You've actually got a whole bunch of other stuff to do. Um, he's, a, he's this tall, skinny, like hollowed out king, basically like dragging the sword along. It's quite scary in its own way. Anyway, if you have enough souls, basically you can, um, do damage on him. I didn't realize this at first and I had to actually, um, basically go, go back and collect more. Cause I, I got to a point where I was like, oh, I'm, at, I'm at the end of the game. I'll just spend all the souls. But luckily I was able to get, um, Um, I didn't use all of them, so as as much as I could have had a real help to kind of getting his uh, health down even more as I was hitting him because I would have had more of these souls, which are the key to doing it, apparently. Um, You know, I had enough to be all right with it. And it's kind of like a giant fight. Um, But again, I, I like the lore behind it. I like the fact that he's a mess. I like the fact that he won't attack you and is provoked. I like that there's an element to it where if you've got the souls, it affects how much damage you do to him. Um, so I enjoyed that kind of sense around it. As far as a fight go, I mean, he's pretty strong and destructive if you get hold of him. He's very slow, so you should be okay with it. Um, but, yeah, I quite like that it's, like, optional and that, you know, you're kind of doing him a bit of a favour, basically, by putting him out of his misery. So, yeah, that's why it kind of made 69, but... Again, it wasn't the most enjoyable um, boss fight or anything like that. I think the other ones were a lot better, um, but I quite liked everything kind of surrounding this bomb, uh, this bonfire, this boss fight. Uh, so number uh, sixty eight is the ancient Wyvern w- Wyvern from uh, Dark Souls Three. So this guy's in the Archdragon Peak, and basically, um, you kind of have to do. You have to, uh, what is it, you have to like pose as a dragon in a certain spot and then you get taken to Arch Dragon Peak. And then, yeah, he's kind of like the first boss that's there, I believe. And, again, it was one of those things where it was like I was trying to beat him up and it was taking off slithers of health and I was like, well, I'm pretty strong so I'm obviously doing something wrong here. Um, so I was kind of like looking around thinking, oh, what do I do? Um, and I kind of started running around a little bit and I was like, oh, I don't get it. I was just like, I can't be bothered. So I looked online and it said that you had to like run up and around and basically smash it through the head. Interesting. The problem was is that the jumping off point, which it takes a while to get to, and, and if you want to kill, the, I just kind of ended up just legging it, but um, if you want to kill the enemies on the way, it will take your ages. Um, and what made it annoying is that for the first three times, for some reason, um, I wasn't in the like right spot. It was telling me I was in the right spot and I was in the right spot but I was kind of mistiming it or whatever, when it was landing on his head, whatever it was. And then you just die. And then you have to do it again. And I was getting seriously fucked off by the end of it. So that's kind of why it's down this list. And essentially it's a one shot, isn't it? Um, I quite liked the element of like running around to having to get above it and do its head. If it had been in a case of that being a bit clearer and if it would have been you know if they'd kind of it had triggered a bit better from falling down I don't know why um why it wasn't working properly for me but whatever maybe it's just some I'm poo um I would have put it higher up the list actually because I quite like the little trick to it um and the fact you have to battle around it and it's like all this fire going on it feels very frenzied and I quite liked that but just for the sake of it was a bit annoying, to be honest, and it was a bit of an anti-climax because you're kidding me, like, okay, great. If I'd done this first time round, I would have really felt pride in it, but I didn't, so thanks. So unfortunately for me, it's gone to number 68. See ya. Number 67, similar kind of thing, in that there's a trick to it, is the bed of chaos. For some people, it's the worst one ever. I didn't mind it so much, but basically, you kind of have to... Um, you have to chop off its arms or whatever, I can't remember now, and then basically it kind of opens up this middle bit and you have to run in and then you chop the heart of it, essentially out of the tree, this little worm or whatever, and um, it dies. So it's kind of a one-shot thing, you've just kind of got to get there. The problem is is that when it enters that second phase, uh, which I think if you die, it just enters automatically anyway, um, it's tough to get a run on that spot because... There are just limbs flailing everywhere and they hurt hard. Um, And I can see why people just hate it for that alone. But I don't mind it so much. And I quite like the idea of you getting to the root of this tree and like, yeah, (sniffs) killing this little thing and it's like, it's dead. Um, So I quite like that. It's a little bit like a trick, like the last one. Um, But I thought of it as a positive thing, not a negative thing uh but yeah it's not the most you know dramatic climactic fight or anything like that you're fighting a tree with limbs it's all right it's okay um so the next one is 66 pinwheel and this is the original dark souls again and a lot of people again hate this one and think it's awful i really liked it one i liked the horror element to it liked where it is i liked that whole um you know the underground bit the tomb and all this stuff team of the giants or whatever and um the fact that, yeah, he's doing, like, experiments, and then when I found out afterwards that, like, it's supposed to be his, it's not one person, it's someone holding up his mother, uh, his mother, his wife and his son, um, who he's experimented on, or are dead or whatever, they've all got their own, like, face, and he's made up, like, of whatever, three of them hunched over each other. That was cool. Um, It was fairly easy, yeah. But again, I don't mind that it's easy. Um, He makes multiple versions of himself, and, you know, I thought it was just a cool horror kind of fight. And I liked the whole tone of it. Um, As a battle, it wasn't the greatest, but I liked all the stuff surrounding it. So, yeah, so that's why it's, it's number 66, because um, even though it sounds quite low, um, I thought it was easy and stuff, but I enjoyed the kind of what was around it and happening around it at the time. But as a boss battle, yeah, it's not the greatest. Um Number 65, Ceaseless Discharge in dark souls uh one and you can choose this boss and um i had got a bit i remember i got a bit stuck with what i was supposed to do by this point and i'd read a guide going oh you have to go back to the lava place and do blah 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 i was like oh and then it said like oh here's an easy way to defeat the boss and i read it so cheating sorry um i think i did go back and do it the normal way as well on another playthrough um but uh, yeah, I did the whole thing where you kind of stamps down in your hand, you just keep smashing the hand and then you get away. Um, and so, yeah, it was a pretty crappy boss fight, but um, I loved the scale of it. I loved the way he looked, and again, it's a big lava monster, so what? Um, but the other lava monsters that come up in the rest of the series don't quite feel as epic as this one. don't know what it is specifically. Um, but yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. And yeah, it was kind of cheesy. Um... I cheesed I, che- I cheesed it. <laughs> it's not cheesy. Um uh but I still enjoyed the fight and I like the fact it was this big guy and going back and doing him again normally I enjoyed that as well. So yeah, not the best not the best fight. Um but still it was okay. Not great, but yeah, fine. Um number sixty four the old Iron King in Dark Souls 2. Very similar to Caesar's Discharge. Uh again kind of big lava monster A bit more to it, this fight, but there is a kind of wall you can kind of hide behind, and I found him fairly easy. To be honest, I don't think it was particularly difficult. Um, But it was, you know, again, it was okay. He had quite a cool move set at some points, but having that wall that you can hide behind was good for play, but um, it kind of diminished the fear factor a little bit. So, yeah, that's why it's a number 64. So that brings me on to my next one, which is the Smelter Demon from Dark Souls 2. Now, I um, I found it a good, a good um, challenge for me. I found it very difficult, so I enjoyed this a bit more than the other ones. found it a little bit too difficult at some points and it took me a while to do, but the run, that whole area, I had a real problem with and I found it quite difficult. Um, and the thing with Dark Souls 2 is after you've killed uh, an enemy in the normal world or whatever, like a normal enemy, like um, seven or eight times or whatever, they just don't respawn anymore. So I cleared out the entire area because I kept dying so much. So it was just a straight run <laughs> defeat to to get to him. And I still found him really difficult. So when I finally did it, I was like, this is great. Um, the Smelter Demon in the DLC, the King, Iron King DLC, can do one. And it's the same boss, so I've kind of included it here as well. And this is why it's a bit further down the list, because that run-up to even get to the one in the DLC is ridiculous. And by the time you get there, um, the boss is basically like this... uh, It's just a smelt demon, but twice as hard. And I didn't like it. So... It kind of put a little bit of a downer on the Smelter Demon boss for me. Not that it was that brilliant a fight anyway. Um, It's fine, like big, you know, fire guy, basically. Great. Um, But, yeah, it didn't really do that much for me. And the DLC version of Smelter Demon really put me off as well. So it comes in number 63. Sorry. Uh, Number 62 is the Crystal Sage from Dark Souls 3. Now, Crystal Sage, um, I kind of stumbled across, and I did him on my second go. And I had a melee build. Again, like I do for all my darts, I should stop saying that because that's just I'm just going forward, that's the only build I ever do, basically. And um he w I I didn't find him particularly difficult. I quite liked the way he looked, I like old big hat Logan or whatever. Um and some of the magic tricks uh and the attacks he did were cool, but he was just a bit of a nuisance and um it became mildly forgettable. But as a as a fight in itself, I didn't mind it. You come across more of these guys later. Um, who by that point I was you know, I was able to defeat quite easily. Um but it was an it was an okay fight to have in the middle. And that's the thing with these magic fights is that they can really screw me over in my build, but once you get close, they're like done for. You just need an opening and you're fine. So yeah, it comes in number sixty-two. Number sixty-one is the Moonlight Butterfly, Dark Souls. This took me ages to do, and the reason why is because as a strength build and melee build, you can only um, hit him when he, like, sets down. And I didn't have anything ranged. So a lot of it was running around, trying to get away from his powerful kind of magic attacks. And when he sits down, slapping him about a bit, and that took me way longer than it should have done. Going To be brutally honest, it was um, a bit annoying that it took me that long. So it kind of brings it down a little bit, but I did enjoy the kind of melancholy niceness to it. I did, like the kind of gentle beauty in the um, you know, destructiveness of it as well. So it was quite interesting in, in that, in that sense. And I thought it was quite majestic, even though it infuriated the fuck out of me. And in terms of what I thought it was annoying that you had to keep waiting basically for it to sit down. Cause then the fight just took ages. So yeah, not a great f- fight, but, um, again, I quite enjoyed everything around it. um, Number 60 is the Belfry Gargoyles from Dark Souls 2. Now, um, basically, it's just a copy of the Belfry Gargoyles from Dark Souls 1, but they've added lots more because it's so much more difficult. That was lame um, to do that, but I really enjoyed the actual fight. And I think I summoned someone for this. And just watching you two go against these massive gargoyles and lots of them it was a bit of a spectacle and I quite enjoyed it. So at the same time, I hated it, but at the same time, I loved it. Um, And so that's kind of why it's found itself uh, at this point in the list at number 60. Because I think it's a bit lazy to do the same thing again. Um, And especially just having more of them. So I hate it for that. But at the same time, I did quite enjoy the kind of mass brawl element of it. Um, Yeah, and as a kind of as a fight, like one on one in terms of movesets and stuff, it's not particularly interesting. Um, I didn't think. So yeah, that's why it's at number 60. Number 59 is Demon Song from DS2. And this happens near the end of the game when you're in that, oh, I can't remember what it's called now, but like the magical part of Dark Souls 2, which I found by this point in the game infuriating, because I was like, please just let me complete the game. <laughs> why am I faffing around with all this stuff? Um, and it was very magic heavy and obviously it's a strength build, the build I was in. Um, it was very disruptive to my playstyle. So I had to end up quite running through a lot of stuff. Um but the demon song just looks a bit weird. Um it's kind of like, if I remember rightly, it's like a it's it's like a monster that's hiding behind like a rock, and then it kind of brings out its um yeah, it brings out its face every now and then. Yeah, the demon of song. So it's like a head, it's like a frog, but just like its body is also its head. So I really liked the way it looked and the fact it just kind of closed itself up every now and then. Um, and that's why, you know, as a fight, it was okay. But um, I really liked the way it looked and thought it was just an interesting fight. So yes, made number 59. 58 is the Asylum Demon, uh, which is the very first boss you will come to, um, which is in the uh, Asylum, in the beginning of the first Dark Souls. And... For me, it's up there because this guy was terrifying when I first saw him, and the fact that he was the tutorial boss, I thought, who you faced within about, like what is it, 10 seconds or something, blew my mind. Um, So it really kind of came in, you know, it's not, as a boss fight, it's very simple, very easy, but just for the effect around it and what it kind of brought with it in terms of as a new player... Uh, made a bit of a statement. This is why I've kind of put it at number 58. Um, In terms of a fight, not great. Everything else around it, great. Number 57 might be a bit of a surprise, but it's Flexile Sentry from Dark Souls 2. So this is when you're like on that boat and um, he comes along a bit later as well. It's just like a normal boss, when Scholar the first thing he does anyway. And um, he's got like, he's like a body with two upper bodies. (laughs) and, you know, depending on which side you get, you have to, like, react differently. I just liked that. Um, and I liked how the boss fight, you're in the ship, it's very small, close quarters, and I think after a while it fills with water or whatever. Um, and, yeah, you're kind of, like, you can't go behind because, you know, there's something there as well. It just makes for an interesting boss fight. I just liked, yeah, see, as I said, the way it looked. So, yeah, that's why it's here, number 57, the Flexile Century. Number 56 is the Taurus Demon. Again, this kind of makes the same impression as the Asylum Demon. Um, I found this guy quite difficult to get through um, because he's the second boss essentially of the game. And I forgot that you can about the, you know, kind of falling head stab. because um, I didn't realize you could do that just from the top of that tower if you climb up the ladder, which makes sense. Um, and yeah, he just smashed me about a bit. So for me, that was a real learning experience of Dark Souls because you're, this was like the enemy where I'm like, okay, now I'm seriously playing Dark Souls, because <laughs> um, I'm not sure how to deal with this guy. Um, and, yeah, I think in the end he fell off maybe, because I kept falling off as well. It's such a, because you in this thin archway. Um, but it took me a while to get that guy. So it was annoying. Again, his moveset wasn't great, but it was kind of everything around it that made it better. Um, but I do think there are better bosses out there. But, you know, well done, Taurus Demon. So number 55 is High Lord Walnir. So High Lord Walnir is in Dark Souls 3 and you kind of get transported to this very dark area where it's pitch black, literally. And there's this massive skeleton trying to climb up. That was cool. And I really enjoyed that. Um, These other skeletons try and get you and try and pass you out, but he's like climbing up, trying to get out, um, which I believe is him trying to like get out of the abyss. And the only humanity he's got to hold on to are these like bracelets, basically, these golden bracelets. Um, and that's obviously the kind of glowing, shiny thing that you as a gamer tend to aim for. So you smash off his bracelets and basically, you know, you knock him about a bit and he and he falls down right into the abyss. All that stuff was really cool. But again, none I don't know what it was, but like none of his attacks seemed to hit me. Um I just didn't have a problem really with with any of them, or I'd block or roll at the right time. So I think I did it on my second try once I figured out what was going on. Um camera was annoying for a little bit uh but that was kind of it so again as a boss fight it was okay um but i enjoyed the whole kind of sentiment around it and the tone of it of this massive skeleton crawling out of the darkness that was cool so it made number 55 number 54 is the cursed rotten greatwood from dark souls 3 now this is basically a tree um, that you kind of stumble across and people are praying to it and yeah, you've kind of got to hit these blobs uh, again, a very like typical gamer boss battle in the sense of like hit these bulbous glowing blobs and you will defeat it. Um, again, thought that was a bit boring, a bit lazy. Halfway through the kind of ground, um, tumbles or whatever, and you're fighting it, um, in this new, new bit in the depths. That was cool. Um, and I liked its kind of plant based hits or whatever, but, um, I thought it was just an okay boss fight and that was it. It felt a bit more intricate than a lot of the ones preceding this were it felt a bit more to it. Um, and you know, fighting a giant tree was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't like that amazing. So 55, uh, sorry, 54 that was number 53. was Capra demon, uh, for dark souls, which a lot of people had a problem with and I had a massive problem with, um, it took me a while uh, because I just couldn't get my head around right how You're supposed to beat this guy. Um, <clears throat> until I figured out, you killed the dog very quickly and then basically run around in a circle off the stairs and jump off and try and hit and run. Um, and after I'd done that a few times, then, you know, it was fine. But I thought it was just like a bit shit and unfair. So as soon as you walk through the door, you get immediately attacked and it can really knock you out of your, you know, of what you're trying to do. Um, and then yeah, you you like start on the back foot almost and each time. And that just really infuriated me. And it's just such a small area to fight this guy in. Um, but as a boss, he looks quite cool. And I did feel a kind of good sense of you know satisfaction after I killed him. But man, just like, you know, it's a bit I thought it's just a bit shit design, basically, really, for a game that's all about the design. So yeah, that's number 53. Number 52 is Deacons of the Deep from Dark Souls 3. Um, and if you remember, these are like a whole bunch of priests or whatever around this giant tomb. And one of them's got, uh, it's like glowing red or something. And that's the one you have to aim for because essentially that's the kind of kills you're getting in, the hits you're getting in on the boss. And then, um, yeah, and then you kind of got to step it up a bit because then they get a bit more stronger. It's a bit harder to get to where you need to. And, um, you yeah, know, they start like overcrowding him. And, yeah, their magic stuff can basically go through everything. And it is very... Uh, painful to someone of my build so yeah um i liked the idea that you're fighting like a huge amount of people and uh, like a small army and you're just trying to get to one guy in the middle um i thought that was cool i liked the fact it was set against this like giant grave essentially but it was just that last like once it turned to that second or third phase whatever um, that final phase, uh, it was that little bit, it felt a little bit too difficult than what it should have been. Like, it really felt like it went from, you know, five to 11 or something. And, um, yeah, that kind of infuriated me slightly, but I thought it was still a worthy fight, and I still quite enjoyed it. So, why quite made 52. So, at number 51 is the Giant Lord from Dark Souls 2. Now, this is the guy that you have to go back into, like, someone's memory or something to fight and it's how you end up being able to even fight the final boss. And I enjoy fighting this giant. And the reason why this holds such fondness in my heart really is because i would used a lot of bonfire aesthetics um, and grinded a lot of uh, souls from this guy. Um, I like the fact he's got these big, slow, heavy feet and a massive sword and that there's a war taking place around you. So everything around it just felt um, cool. And, yeah, I I just like fighting these giants. It makes me feel a bit shadowy, the colossus Um, So yeah, that's why it's at number 51. And number 50 is the ruined sentinels. Um, don't really understand who they are or anything like that, but as a fight, I really enjoyed it. I was able to kind of... The fact that you've got basically three of them, or as I did it, you fight one and then you fight the next two kind of together. Um And it was a bit, you know, trying to manage the different ones, the different Sentinels and stuff was difficult, but it was quite cool. And yeah, I was able to kind of block um, or parry or whatever, take the health, hit and all this stuff. And it felt, I felt like I was doing like something really methodical and um, yeah, it felt really well-deserved and I finished it. I thought the movesets were quite cool and just genuinely, I thought it was um, quite a good fight. I liked it. So, yeah, it's kind of made the well, nearly halfway stage. Um, but, yeah, that's ruined sentinels. Number 49 is the Skeleton Lords from Dark Souls 2. Now, the Skeleton Lords were the, these three skeleton dudes. And basically, when you if I remember rightly, when you kill them, more skeletons, like normal skeletons, turn up to the point where you're doing like a pinwheel. And so that means if you go th- and try and go and kill all three, like immediately you get this influx of skeletons which it becomes almost impossible to manage which i learned the hard way um so you have to kill one kill kind of all the skeletons around that come up with that one then kill the next one so it becomes a bit more manageable um but i like the skeleton stuff i like the gothicness of it and i quite liked the idea that it's like if you're almost too good um it'll beat you down for it and you know it's always interesting when they do like boss boss fights that kind of put things on its head a little bit uh so yeah it's number 49 48 is Yawn the Giant. Now, I'll probably get a lot of stick for this because people, I think, hate this boss fight. And I can see for good reason why, because he's in the opening cut scene and you see him get up and I think, oh man, wow, I'm going to fight that guy. He is massive. That's going to be impossible. How the hell am I going to do that? And when you turn up and he's sitting on his throne at the end of this long corridor and he gets up um, and you're like, man, this is going to be epic. And yeah, he does his classic kind of, you know, the same as Giant Lord and all this. Same kind of giant moveset. And then when I realised I wasn't taking off much of his health, I was like, eh, all right, here we go. There's got to be something I'm missing. Um, so I, I went back in and looked around and then yeah, I saw there was something you could pick up. And I was like, okay, trying to pick up this sword, but I didn't get to equip it in time before I died. Equipped it, went back. And then, yeah, you have to do like the weapon art. And what was interesting is that I hadn't done really any weapon art whatsoever. On this, which is essentially like a special move, really, of your um depending on what weapon you have. Um, so this was new to me and it's quite late in the game. And I enjoyed it. I was like, oh man, cool. This makes you want to explore other weapons. A lot of people were just like, Oh, you can it's like they give you the thing to kill him with, and it's you do it in like three hits. Yes, you do. Um, but I quite enjoyed it and I like fighting giants. And I like the idea that there's this, you know, there's a special sword that was made to destroy him and it's just kind of sitting right by him and you use it against him or whatever. Um, Yeah, I think there's that element of like, he wants to be killed, right? And I know there's some NPC stuff surrounding it about how, um, you know, one of the uh, characters, the NPCs, um, has devoted himself to killing this guy and they used to be mates or whatever. So having like that you're kind of, kryptonite sitting next to you i thought it was quite cool um so yeah i I thought it was quite interesting having that and again it was something that was a little bit different like not just like dependent on how strong you are whatever i mean it still is to a degree but just being like hey you have to use this sword to kill him okay um number 47 is the rotten and this i felt um, like a good climax (laughs) that's what she said for me, when fighting this guy um with where he was in uh, Dark Souls 2. And it took me a while to beat him, and I know people actually find him quite easy, but I actually found him quite difficult. I liked his um moveset, I liked the area he was in, I liked the kind of pathos associated to him, and yeah, I thought it was generally a, a good fight. Um and that's why I put him at number 47. Uh number 46 is Ludex gondor from Dark Souls 3 who's basically the first boss that you kind of come up against um, in the in the game. And, yeah, I killed him first time, um, but uh, which I was really proud of. Um, but I like the fact it's a one-on-one duel. I like the fact you kind of pull the sword out of him or whatever, and he wakes up. Um, I like the fact that he has this, like, puss of man or whatever it's called. He changes into that weird, horrible liquid snake thing, like, halfway through. Um and just the whole fight was cool, and the fact I did it first time again might not necessarily be like me going, "Oh, it was too easy." Um, I just liked the fact that it was like I'm straight in with this jewel. Oh my god, what's going on? He's got this thing coming up his head. Oh, I've killed him. Okay, thank god. And then I go to like the final shrine, basically, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was a good fight. I thought he had some good moves as well. Um, yeah, so as a first boss battle to come up against, good good choice. I, I liked it so that brings me to number 45 which is the dragon rider from dark souls 2 um he uh uses basically like a big spear thing and um yeah he's fairly fairly early on in the game and you've got the arena where you can um put the floors up or leave them down if you wish and i think sometimes you can fall off them which is an easy way to cheese him but yeah i really liked the one-on-one um aspect of it and it felt you know these jewels i like them um the fact he's called like dragon rider uh and all that um i just thought it was a really cool fight and just where it was and the fact you know you can kind of see out across the city um i just enjoyed it and it took me a little i think it took me a few guys to do uh, not that many like maybe six or seven um before i could defeat him but uh it felt well deserved and yeah having his kind of um lance or whatever it is being able to spread across quite a wide area and, you know, just being tricky with getting behind him. All that stuff was cool. So, yeah, that's why he's at number 45. Number 44 is Ava, Ava, the king's pet from Dark Souls 2, who killed me a couple of times when she was invisible and I had to realise that, I had to figure out basically that you need something so that you can see invisible stuff. And when I did that, this was out of like all the kind of beast-like attacks, this is one of my favourites, just because... um I thought it was difficult. I thought it was the right amount of difficulty for where it was. Um, you had to be quick. You had to be uh, smart. Uh, the fact that it was all snowy and it was like this snow lion thing uh, was was cool. And um, the fact it was invisible and you had to go and come back so that you kind of got more of an awareness of the level before you took this thing on. But if you wanted to, you could probably kill it and move on if you needed. Um, all this stuff I thought was pretty cool and yeah it just made me it really made me feel like it was a challenge and uh that's always good when a boss does that so number um and bear in mind i should say as well i know there's an element um in that dlc where you can come across two of them and you have to go across the snowy plains i didn't do any of that stuff but for me it doesn't count because it's just two of the same thing so and i liked one of them one's enough i don't need two thanks uh so number 43 is Vord of the Boreal Valley, um, Boreal Valley, from Dark Souls 3. And this was kind of like the first proper, like, tough boss. Um, he's fast. He has, like, icy breath. Um, he doesn't stop. And that's kind of the thing with some of these Dark Souls 3 bosses is that you feel like it's the attacks are just relentless and you don't really know how you're going to do it. Um, but somehow you manage. And, uh, yeah, he was very, very fast, very tough. But it felt like it was at appropriate time um during the game and the story and the lore. And in terms of a challenge, it was kind of at the perfect level. So yeah, it was uh, it was a decent fight. Um next up is Duke's Dear Freya from Dark Souls 2. Um, I'm still grumbling whether I should have put this higher, but uh I didn't. <laughs> um and it's it's like a big spider thing, basically. I didn't... A lot of people had a tough time with it. I didn't, um, to be pretty honest. Uh, I thought it was all right with all the spiders coming at you and you basically have to chop the thing's head off. Um, I didn't feel like it was a particularly difficult fight. I thought it was challenging just enough. But I like the kind of scary spiderness aspect of it. I thought that was pretty cool. So that's kind of why where, where it comes in here. Maybe it should have been higher... But when I look about the other ones above it, I'm like, I had a better time with these other bosses than I did with this one. So yeah, hence it's kind of here. Number 41 is the Throne Defender and Watcher from Dark Souls 2. They're kind of like the Ornstein and Smear of Dark Souls 2. They come towards the end and depending on what you've done, by that point or whatever, they can be just before the main boss or you have to go away and do bits and pieces and then come back to do the main boss, which is what I did. And... Uh, yeah, again, two versus one is always tough when they're like this. But if you can manage it and you can, you know, figure out what you're doing, it makes it quite fun because you're using your brain in a, you know, kind of strategic way. And this is what it felt like with this fight. Other fights against two might do it better, and this did feel a little bit like, well, can't you just? Why am I fighting these guys? So I just fight the boss. So it felt a bit of a bit crappy. In that way because it was like who are these guys then you know why isn't it just like the boss so i've got to f- i fight these and kill them but i've still not finished the game um and that kind of disappointment afterwards with me and the fact i would have to go up and look about how to do it was infuriating yeah. to be honest um but in terms of the actual battle i enjoyed it and i like the way they look as well number 40 is the executioner's chariot from dark souls 2 and It's just something very different from Dark Souls. And basically what happens is there's a chariot going round and round and round in this circle. And you can, there's little holes you can kind of dip in, but essentially you've you've only really got the track to get around. There's skeletons who will keep getting risen from the dead by a magic person if you don't get them in time, kill them. And obviously you've got to stay out of the way of the chariot. And then you've got to make your way to these switches, and then you've got to fight this horse. That's kind of, that's been... That was driving the carriage and he's actually the boss not the skeleton guy kind of driving it and you gotta kill him as well so there's all these different elements to it and i actually thought it was pretty cool and fun and just the fact that you know dark souls is usually very like slow and methodical and have something like racing around and whatever um just kind of heightened the energy a bit so i thought it was quite a pretty cool fight um so that's number 40 so number 39 is the old dragon slayer from dark souls 2 now, this is widely believed uh, believed to be Ornstein, and I can see why. Um, even though there's a dragon right outside, and yeah, it's um, it's like a fight with Ornstein and a fight like the Dragon Slayer we just come across like uh, not too long before this either. Um, and it's okay, it's okay. It's a it's a good duel, um, and I found it quite difficult to begin with. Um, but you kind of get used to it quite quickly. But I like the way he looked. I like the setting of it. And yeah, again, these one-on-one duels are kind of, I'd say, probably my preference for this stuff. So good, decent, strong fight, one-on-one. Um, So pretty cool. Number 38 is Dancer of the Boreal Valley. Now, this is uh, just before you can get into um, Lordrick Castle. And the way it kind of falls down as it appears. And then the way it kind of moves during the boss fight is so beautiful and so elegant that it really stuck with me. Um, The moves are pretty devastating as well. If you get caught in her, basically, a combo, which is very swishy and swashy, then, um, you know, you're you're screwed, basically. Uh, It's not really that difficult, but I just love the whole, like, elegance of it and the whole, like, surreal, supernatural stuff and the way it looked so yeah in terms of an actual fight it was pretty good it wasn't amazing but looks wise got really great like up there with some of the best looking bosses i think so yeah that's where i am with that one um so next up is 37 which is the last giant from dark souls 2 now this is the first proper boss you get in dark souls 2 and um the, it's kind of heavily um Uh, clued at whatever the word is (laughs) uh, directed to being that it was the um giant lord from dark souls 2 and basically he's got a million swords in his back and he recognizes you um and this is the last giant and uh yeah it's a bit of a sad way um to kill him he kind of tears off his arm at one point and tries to hit you with that um but it's a it's a good fight and i like it and i like the sadness attached to it and the fact that, you know, it kind of goes on as you learn more and more about the giants as the game continues and how sad they are just as a race and through what's happened in the wars and stuff. And the fact you've got to kill this last giant you who know, you find out later you've you've already kind of defeated already or whatever. Um, it's just a real sadness to it. So it's cool because it kind of, by the end of the game, it retroactively changes the entire, that entire boss battle without you even realising it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I've put it so high up um, for number 37. Number 36 is Crossbreed Priscilla, which is from the uh, the Painted World um, in the original Dark Souls. She's like half-dragon, um, and she has this, like, a scepter, I was going to call it, but it's like a seith, scythe. Sorry, I mean, scythe. And, um, wait, is that and uh, yeah, just generally speaking, good, decent fight. You don't have to fight her, I believe, as well. She's optional. Um, and, yeah, I just liked uh, the fight itself. And I liked the fact I thought it was a good way to end the Painted World, which for me was a really amazing level that was optional again as well in Dark Souls. And I highly recommend it if you haven't played that level or it's passed you by, go back and do it. And yeah, feel free to give Crossbreed Priscilla a poke, I was going to say. But like, start on her because um, it's a decent fight. Number 35 is A Lost Sinner from Dark Souls 2. Now, I think I did this on my first or second try. Um, and a lot of people had difficulty with this, but not me. Um, and I, I liked the fact that it, again it was a one-on-one duel, um, and she had a great sword which I also used, and so it felt very fair. Um, and it, it was uh, enjoyable. I liked the way it was all dark and the fact that um, it's a that she was a prisoner, but um, it didn't really have the oomph that it had for some of these other bosses. Um, but as a as an actual battle, as a duel, it was cool. I really liked it. So, yeah, hence number 35. Number 34 is the Pain um, pain of Below and his uh, brother, who's, I forgot now, which is from Dark Souls 3 and is part of the DLC. And basically it's these two essentially demons who kind of, one is like with poison and one's with fire and they swap around. And they can both be charging at you. So if you let your guard down or you're not really, you know, keeping an eye on where the other is, um, it can end pretty quickly for you. Uh, I ended up using Havel's armor and I got through it first time once I did that. But it did take me a while to kind of smash these guys up. Um, And yeah, the second phase is that basically when you kill one, the second one turns um, and becomes a bit more powerful. And that's when it kind of gets a bit more serious. So really good, decent fight um i like the way you have to kind of manage the whole area how, where everyone is um and then uh yeah it changes like a, a proper normal one-on-one kind of boss fight at the end which is very very difficult and you've got to be like pretty good at your rolling um or shield using or stamina management or whatever in order to get through it so yeah pretty decent so at number 34 number 33 is osiris the consumed king from dark souls 3 trez um, again, I think he's optional and he's in the consumed King's Gardens in Lothwick Castle. And he has like he's one of the few characters or bosses that actually speaks and he's got this very like Shakespearean monologue. He looks like um he looks like Seath a little bit, like he looks like a dragon, and he's holding on to this like imaginary baby, or is it invisible? I don't know. And um, it's all very, very yeah, melodramatic and theatrical. Um, and I found him quite hard when he turns into like his feral state. Uh, it didn't feel unmanageable, but it was like, okay, this has just got cranked up a lot. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, it, but a decent fight. Like, I really liked the story kind of surrounding it. And when he turns, like, frenzied, um, it kind of shook me. It kind of made me go, oh, fuck, like, Jesus, what's going on here now? Um, and, yeah, there's not a lot of bosses that can actually do that. So everything around it was that I thought was pretty good. So, yeah, I enjoyed this. Um, this boss fight. So, number 32 is the Dragon Slayer armor in Dark Souls 3. And I had a real hard time with this guy, mainly because um, the butterflies, who are whatever they are, who look really cool, kind of floating in the distance. And I found out that later they're actually controlling the armor. So, it's actually them you're fighting with, which is cool in itself. Um, but yeah, about halfway through, like he's got some devastating attacks with his shield and his weapon. So you've got to be really, like, careful. He does this kind of, like, back swipe if you stand, like, behind him too much or whatever. Um, But if you can kind of side roll and hit him, but he really, like, eats up your stamina as well. It's difficult. But halfway through, they start throwing fireballs, and that's where it always used to get me because I was like, there's too much going on. Um, And, yeah, you just kind of figure out that, like, once you hear the audio cue for the fireballs, leg it, basically, and just keep running and don't worry about him. Just kind of get out of there and then return back to him. Once they finished. Um, but it took me a while and I didn't, I wasn't able to like summon anyone. So all these people I did by myself for the most part, I should say, especially in Dark Souls one and three, they were pretty much by myself. Um, but yeah, Dragon's uh, Lama was pretty cool. 31 was the Abyss Watchers, Dark Souls three. Um, and it did kind of, because you, you see them and they're fighting each other. And then you kind of go up against a couple of them. And then one comes up with glowing eyes and they starts fighting with you against them and that whole thing i was just like what the hell is going on um and then when you have to actually fight the abyss watcher properly and he's got like fire sword or whatever that's a cool one-on-one duel again so it had all these interesting elements to it it also was story wise interesting and the fact that it kind of ended on a pretty cool duel i was like yeah that was a good that was a good boss fight really liked that so, yeah, that's um, come in at number 31. Number 30 is the Bell goals from the first Dark Souls. And, again, this was like, uh, it happens quite early on in your Dark Souls run-through. And, again, it teaches, it taught me um, a bit more about the game and how to uh, fight because you, have, you basically get two of them. And I believe it's like the first time you get multiple boss thing and you're just like, how am I going to do this? So when you actually defeat them... Um, you really do get a sense of pride because you're like, fuck, I really didn't think I was going to do that and I did it. And it's all these early Dark Souls kind of reactions that stick with me a lot and I attach like a personal thing to. Hence, they might be a bit higher up the list than people would should think they are um, because it's a pretty standard fight. Um, but for that point in my Dark Souls life and at that point in the game, I think it was pretty crucial to get across. It felt like it was another test that you had to pass in order to understand the game and play the game better. Um, and how it's kind of supposed to be played or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's up there. It's good. I liked it. Uh, so number 29, we're not down, down to the top 30 now. Number 29, Aldrich, Devourer of Gods, Dark Souls 3. Um, so he's consuming Gwyndolin by the looks of it when we come in. I think that's what people say generally. And, yeah, good, good fight. Like, you have to kind of hit his slime a bit. Um, very magic-based, and obviously that was a bit of a problem. Um, the kind of rain of arrows that he has, um, and all this, it can be really difficult. So you really have to learn that moveset and not get too cocky and get again quite methodical with it. Um, and yeah, that's why I really liked it. And the fact he's just that like, big slug, basically, this big piece of poo just oozing around. Um, so yeah, good moveset, uh, good environment, um, got some good lore in there as well. And the fact, he you know, he's eating Gwendolyn, that's cool. Um, so yeah, just generally speaking, a really good fight. So number twenty-eight is Alana, Squalid Queen in Dark Souls Two. Now you kind of take her on in before you take on uh, this big dragon guy, um, but she can like summon um, the Looking Glass Knight and all this stuff, and I liked that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I thought she was quite difficult, but again, it was that sense of like difficult, but I think I can do this. Um and I enjoyed the summoning aspect of it. And I thought she was, yeah, again, when I'm up against kind of magic-based um people, it could go either way. It could be quite easy or it could be really difficult. And this was more in the latter for me. Uh, but it felt like a really decent fight and well matched. Um, and yeah, the, the summoning I thought was a pretty cool aspect of it. So yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh so the next one is a uh, number 27, which is nashandra from Dark Souls 2, who is essentially the final boss. And yeah, once I got in, um, at first I was like, because she's got all the dark attacks, which just eat up my health like nothing. Um, you know, once I was able to kind of figure out what I had to do in order to get to her, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I kind of understand this. And then when the I I was like, you know what, I'm going to um, summon a couple of people, whatever, to come in. And I did, and it was, um, yeah, we beat her, but it really felt like, you know, teamwork. It really felt like we were doing this together. I think they were real players, I can't remember now. Um, And I was like, yeah, you know, we've beaten the final boss together. After all this, we've come together. And, yeah, it was something I felt like I could have done by myself. um, But I got a lot more enjoyment doing it with other people, with this one. And especially just because there's an element where it's like you have to, like, hit the dark balls, I think it was, or whatever, the borders, the the shield or whatever, before you can actually hit her. So it felt like it was made for co-op a little bit um so yeah i really liked that i thought it was a good fight number 26 is the gaping dragon from dark souls this was the first time i was like man these monsters are japanese and screwy and i love it um felt really like this was like this is horror the horror horror of dark souls and i also again it was one of those things where it's having that first reaction to a lot of these bosses and um not uh uh particularly if i went back and played it now i think i'd have a really easy time with it but at the time again i was like man i've kind of got to get used to this dark souls way of fighting and it just looked cool and i think it had a good move set um it was scary and yeah just everything about it was great i thought so yeah it's made it up the list to number uh 26 number 25 is the pursuer in dark souls 2 now i had a real problem with the pursuer because it took me ages to beat him. I just couldn't figure it out. So I had to go away and grind a bit and come back. I just basically got better and was able to take him down. And then later on, when he pops up in other bits, I could take him down quite easily. But for that first part, I was just like, he is so fast. And this is where, like, I truly started learning how to, like, proper dodge roll, um, within Dark Souls 2 at least. Bear in mind, I went through the whole first Dark Souls without even realizing he had invincibility frames in rolling. I just thought rolling was just rolling. I didn't realize it made you invincible for, like, a little while. So, yeah, it wasn't until... then when I came into Dark Souls 2, I was like, oh, right, rolling is a real, like, tactic. <laughs> so, yeah, this is what happened with uh, the Pursuer. And I like the way he pops up later on. He's literally pursuing you throughout the entire game. So, for me, all that kind of added up to quite a cool experience. So, at number 24 is Dark Souls 3's uh, Champion Gunder. Now, this is different from the um, other Gunda, which was the tutorial boss, uh, but this is in the Untended Graves, so it's the tutorial level, but it's pitch black, um, you kind of stumble into this like past, I guess it is, supposed to be like this history, um, time travel kind of thing, and yeah, sitting there in the same place that the other Gunda was, is the champion Gunda, um, who is a lot stronger, it's exactly the same, but yeah, a lot stronger, it's got a bit of a more varied moveset. And he kicks butt. Um, so this took me quite a few goes to do, actually. Um, I would say it was one of the bosses, um, him and, like, Dragon Slayer, uh, took me more than it did, like, the Lord of Cinder. Um Lord of Cinder, I didn't, which is the Dark Souls 3 end boss, I didn't actually find particularly difficult. Um, but this one, I was like, man, this guy's hitting hard. And bear in mind the, uh, you know, the one I'd fought, ver- the version I fought of him earlier I'd actually beaten him my first go. Um, this one, I was like, oh man, this is really tough. But fair, it felt fair. And yeah, I think um, it was a case of just, again, classic Dark Souls, kind of getting behind, learning the moveset, went to dodge. And yeah, when he kind of, um, I think he changes so he gets faster halfway through, whatever, then you've really got to like up your game. But it took me a lot. And there's a bit of a run to get to him as well. Um, so it took a while, but it definitely felt good when I actually got him beat. Uh, so, yeah, well done. Champion Gunder indeed. So, as this is an extra long episode, I've split this into two. So, that's it for now. But come back next time to hear our countdown to number one. See ya. Winter
2: culture.